0: Hello and welcome to The Spectator's Americano podcast, a series of discussions about American politics and the Trump presidency in 2017. I'm Freddie Gray and I'm deputy editor of The Spectator. I'm joined today by Jim Antle, who is the politics editor of The Washington Examiner. And we're going to be discussing Trump's popularity, his unpopularity, and the looming possibility of Trump fatigue. So, Jim, we've seen that Trump's first, I think it's his first approval, first proper approval rating is at 45%, which is a sort of historic low, I think, for a new president. Is uh, that terrible news for Donald Trump? Or is it expected?
1: Well, Donald Trump's top line approval number and his high, relatively high disapproval rating is, is bad from this perspective, in that this is the honeymoon period for a new president. So historically speaking, this is usually about as popular as a president gets barring, you know, some major event that really unifies the country, uh, you know, like the Persian Gulf war, nine 11 attacks. So, you know, it gives him not a very high place to, to to move down from if there's any controversy. So from that perspective, uh, the numbers are not very good. However, there's a big caveat to that in that Trump does remain popular with a lot of core groups that voted for him and his approval rating among the white voters who will decide the midterm elections still remains high enough. So if you look at his support from core demographic groups that are the most likely people who are going to vote in the midterm elections, that's still good news for Republicans. Assuming that, the, uh, assuming that, that those remain the voters who turn out you know, maybe the people who are anti-Trump will turn out in numbers greater than they've turned out in previous midterm elections. That assumption didn't work for Hillary Clinton, so that's a reason to be skeptical it will happen mm. in the midterm elections. But you never know. But right now, Trump is at least holding steady with his base, which you know, in a, in a very divided, uh, polarized country is a good place to start.
0: Yes. We talked on this podcast before about how Trump and but perhaps under the influence of Steve Bannon seems to be pursuing a, a positive polarization strategy like Pat Buchanan organized under Nixon. Right. Is that a fair uh, comparison assessment?
1: You know, Jesse Helms was a, a longtime U.S. senator from North Carolina who was elected, I believe, five times, never lost a race, but had very close races uh, because he polarized uh, the electorate. And so he would turn out his base. They would support him. Uh, but a lot of people would, were very hostile to him. But in the end, he would he kept winning. So, yes, I think that Trump, everything that Trump has done so far, whether it's under the influence of Bannon or, or, or whomever, is very much designed to appeal to the people who voted for him, to keep promises to the people who voted for him, mm. and to keep the, the people who voted for him Interested in him remaining in office, so from that perspective, uh, he's been successful. But on the other hand, there are a lot of people who oppose all of these things that he's done, and you know they're very angry and energized and potentially radicalized. A lot of protests, a lot of petitioning. So I think they're they're betting that their voters will be the people who can carry the day, replicate what happened in, in 2016 and their voters will be overrepresented among the people who turn out for the midterm elections, so voting for Republicans for House and Senate.
0: Is there a danger that there's a sort of broad swath of Americans across the, the let's call it the middle, who rather exhausted by what was quite a nasty election campaign on both sides and would, and would just really appreciate sort of a, a, a bit of a pause, a bit of calm in the opening phase of the Trump presidency, and, and they'll be disappointed if Trump can't deliver that?
1: I don't know that there are very many people who would expect that, so I don't know that there'll be any disappointment, mm. but I do think there's a risk that there'll be a sort of Trump fatigue. People will just get tired of, of, of the polarization. People will get tired yes. of reading about his tweets or you know, reading about him you know, being angry at, at Saturday Night Live, um, and they might just get uh, tired of, of seeing the protests They might get tired of having the arguments uh, with their own family members, uh, you know, because this has become a very intensely personal political fight for a lot of people. So that that's something that people might get tired of and might decide that they want normalcy. On the flip side, though, there is a possibility that some people will just get angry at the protesters and get angry at the demonstrators. I mean, if you miss your flight Mm. uh, because there's some, some kind of protest going on. Uh, you can't drive uh, through the city because there's a protest going on, and you're late to a meeting. But you know, in the past, we've seen backlash against um, you know mass demonstrations. It certainly worked to Nixon's advantage in the late '60s, early '70s, even though the, the demonstrators were anti-Nixon. So you know, there is a possibility that if people are mad at the protesters, that, that could benefit Trump. But just the overall climate of a lot of division. A lot of uh, anger, a lot of just noise that 's something that 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 people could get tired of and, I, and and I would think that that would work against trump,
0: yes, and of course, the left could really overreach itself i mean i 've seen already at, or today Rahm Emanuel is saying that the American left should should take a chill pill right and I, I mean I suppose that 's the danger isn 't it for the let 's call it the bernie San, Sanders type Democrats that they are protesting, and the millennials certainly, they're protesting so actively that they, they're, really, they're going to run out of steam and they're going to run into a lot of irritation and frustration in the next couple of years before the midterms.
1: Well, there's also just the, the problem of when you're protesting and you're demonstrating and you're demanding that the politicians loyal to you uh, or aligned with you uh, do certain things and they don't have the power to deliver them. Hmm. You know, that happened. With Republicans uh, within the Tea Party, and you know, there's there's a risk that that will happen. With all the, you know, the progressives really want the Senate Democrats to block President Trump's nominee for the Supreme Court. You know, and, and they do technically under the Senate rules have the ability with their 48 senators to filibuster, and that would in effect create a, a need for him to get 60 votes to be confirmed. And the Republicans don't have 60 votes, but they have all kinds of uh, tools at their disposal to to ram the, the nominee through. And the result could be that they lose the filibuster. The Republicans just get rid of that uh, that, that rule, at which would really uh, deprive Democrats of any power uh, as the Senate minority, or you would lose a lot of their power as the Senate minority. So that would, would be bad. Uh, for them. And and some Washington Democrats don't want a big fight uh, quite yet for that very reason. But the the, the base of the Democratic Party, their progressive grassroots supporters, won't be happy with anything less. So it would be viewed as a major sellout uh, if if they don't filibuster the Supreme Court nominee and if they don't uh, really work hard at blocking a, a lot of what Trump is trying to do. So even if they can't deliver results, there's an expectation among progressives that they should should be trying to do these things. So if they try and they fail, because they just don't have the numbers, uh, you know, that could lead to disillusionment, or it could lead to a lot of primary fights uh, within the Democratic Party.
0: Mm. I mean, Obama had some success, didn't he, as president in, in portraying the Republicans as, as a constant menace to, to progress and constantly sort of right. blocking everything he was trying to do. Right. Do you think Trump could? could have similar success portraying the activist left as as a, as a thorn in the side of uh, America getting on with a good job and, and that sort of stuff?
1: I think he can have some success with it because, uh, you know, there is just this basic argument you could make that, you know, I'm trying to do things, I'm trying to create jobs, I'm yeah. trying to you know, deliver the goods for the American people, and we have these obstructionists here that are just blocking everything they won't work with me they're not being constructive you see, and there there is a segment of the voting population that i think is susceptible to those kinds of arguments and if the leftover reaches you know the argument will have the benefit of being true so you know that that certainly is is something trump could use to his advantage but trump is a very different personality type than president obama mm. uh, i think one of obama's benefits was that he was always successful at portraying himself as the reasonable guy in the room just because he he is so calm and measured in how he speaks. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and while I don't think that was always factually true, uh, that Obama was was the adult in the room in these controversies, he was very effective uh, because of, of the way he carried himself and portraying himself as such. Trump, you know, that's really not his personality. Trump is very you know, loud and boisterous and, and brash. And, and uh, I think he'll have a little bit harder time uh, p- portraying himself as sort of the calm, you know, rational guy uh, around all of these screaming lefties. I mean, I, I think he's going to make that argument and I think it'll have some effect, but I don't think he's going to be as effective at it as Obama making that argument.
0: Yeah, I saw someone calling it governed by tantrum. But but it feels a bit like there's quite a lot of childish behavior on the left, and then there's the Trump administration, which is it throws its toys out the pram very quickly. Uh, this would suggest that an opposition to an effective opposition to Trump, a lot of people thought it would come from the more radical left, but it it actually might just be from almost a Hillary Clinton type Democrat.:
1: Possible, but that's not really where the mood of the Democratic Party is right now. Yeah. You saw that there was a lot of resistance to Hillary Clinton even in the democratic primaries. And the fact that Hillary Clinton lost the election, even though the Democrats are, are clinging to her her popular vote numbers, and, you know she lost the election. She's not president. Yes. I think a lot of, uh, of progressive Democrats view that as a repudiation of Clintonism, and and, and there's a desire for stronger stuff within the Democrats among Democrats themselves. I think you're right that within the country, probably something more centrist would seem pretty appealing to a lot of people right now. There just aren't a lot of uh, politicians out there who could provide that because the Democrats who are left represent very liberal constituencies that are very angry and really want to see a a very progressive Democratic Party.
0: So it really is just a case of polarization in America at the moment?
1: Yeah, I mean, we're seeing a lot of polarization and, you know, it used to be that both major parties were coalitions of moderates, liberals and conservatives. Now, you know, you have the Republican Party is conservative, uh, be homogeneously and the Democratic Party has become homogeneously liberal. Yes. Uh, you know, the, the states and congressional districts that, that most of the members of Congress represent lean overwhelmingly one way or the other. So, you know, you don't have to really appeal to people of both sides for most of these senators and congressmen to get elected. You know, the the sources of news and information are are very much polarized in in the internet and talk radio era, where people can only uh, consume points of view that already uh, accord with what they currently believe. Uh, So the the entire uh, American political process has indeed become very polarized, and and it would really be difficult Uh, for a president who was even trying to unite the country uh, to do so successfully. I mean, we saw both George W. Bush and Barack Obama, at least prior to their presidencies, talked about uniting the country. And they were both very much failures at doing that. Uh, Trump isn't really trying to do that. He's, I think, trying to use the polarization to his, his political advantage. But it obviously creates a very messy and very loud process.
0: And lastly, can I ask, just as a journalist, we've spoken about Trump fatigue, have you seen any evidence of Trump fatigue so far? I mean, I suppose the benefit for people who like calm of Trump fatigue is that it actually might bring a, a halt to the polarization process.
1: I've seen signs that people are tired of Trump, although, I, you know, his, again, his core supporters are pretty energized, I think, by all the action, all the things that he's tried to do so quickly in his administration. But yes, I mean, there are definitely people who were vaguely apolitical, who I know, who are now uh, much more political and hostile to Trump, and people who are sort of quietly liberal are now posting things on Facebook about how terrible Trump is. Uh, You know, these people would have gone to the polls and voted for a Democrat under normal circumstances, Mm. but they wouldn't have been very communicative about their political views, you know, in in a non-political setting if it weren't for Trump. So, I mean, you, you do see Trump fatigue, but I don't see the Trump fatigue producing any real backlash against political polarization. It seems to be enhancing it instead.
0: Great. Well, Jim, we'll talk to you again, I hope, when we're all completely exhausted by Trump. Absolutely. Just a reminder that you can subscribe to this podcast anytime on iTunes. So please do...